0: Hey church, today we're going to talk about something many of you as families or small groups have been wondering about. We're going to talk about taking communion during lockdown and we're on with Pastor Scott Kripp. Scott, uh, the first Sunday of the month is coming up. That means at our church we usually take communion, but we can't because we're still doing live streams. So this is a video that many of our church members are going to watch and we're going to encourage families to take communion together right after or during the live stream. Small groups can do the same thing. But I think it's important for us to talk through these five points, at least these five points, and give some scripture behind all of it. So, Scott, help us with this first one. Here it is. If you're going to take communion, you should do it in community. The early church did it as part of a group meal.
1: Communion is something we do together. It's not done in isolation. There's there's definitely stuff that we do in the Christian life on our own. Read your Bible, pray. But communion is one of those things that we can only do together, and you certainly get the sense of how it is a group activity. In 1 Corinthians 10, verses 16 and 17, it says, when we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. So what we're seeing in this passage is that communion is it's a meal. In fact, in the early church, as far as we can tell, it would often be accompanied by an actual meal. And it's where people come together, partake in communion together to worship the Lord together. And so whether that's in your small group or in your family, to come together is a very powerful and uh, worshipful moment to say, hey, we're all followers, followers of Jesus together. We're all unified. We're all one in Christ.
0: Now, the second point probably should have been the first point, but it says to make it about Jesus the point of communion is to remember his sacrifice for our sins. So, this comes from 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verses 23 through 26. It says this For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed. The Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it, and then he broke it in pieces and he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper and he said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Now, Scott, when this passage is really familiar to me because my pastor growing up, this was the passage that he always read right as they were doing communion. And so I I almost have that whole passage memorized. And this is probably is a good passage for parents or small group leaders to read when you're actually taking communion together.
1: Absolutely, because it gives us a really good context for what communion is all about. And I know that for some, communion can seem very odd. It can seem like, is this magic? Is this some woo-woo stuff that we're doing all of a sudden? And it's not. What we're really doing is is God has given us a, a wonderful living picture of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And that's what this whole passage is saying is that we are coming together, whether it's a church or a small group or a family, we're coming together to remember Jesus's sacrifice on the cross. So we take bread or we take that communion wafer and it represents Jesus's body, which was broken for us. And then we take the wine or the juice, we drink it. And that represents Jesus's blood that was shed on our behalf. And so I think it's so great to reflect on this passage together to understand that when you participate in communion, you're sort of um, looking at the crucifixion in a very unique, powerful way as you remember the sacrifice of Jesus. And so it's nothing, nothing kind of weirdly magical, but it's all to get us to focus on Christ and the sacrifice for us.
0: And so then that leads to the third point, which is to take time for self-examination. In other words, don't take communion with a self-centered focus. And that comes from this passage here, which is kind of a scary passage, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27. Anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. And so that's why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. Now, I think this passage, Scott, probably scares a lot of people. Maybe this is one reason some families or small groups are like, no, I don't think I want to take communion. Let's wait till we go to church for that. So unpack this a little bit. What does it mean to do this unworthily? What is self-examination all about?
1: Yeah, I remember when I was a kid hearing this passage read and thinking, uh-oh, I, if I... If I lied today or if I lied yesterday and I take communion, am I going to die? Is God going to strike me dead in church? That's going to be really awkward. Uh, And so you might kind of get afraid of uh, of communion, but that's not the point here. The point that God's trying to say is this is a great time for us to take a look at our lives, take a look at our faith, take a look at our walk with Jesus. And are we being authentic? Are we being honest? Are we really trusting in Christ? Are we really trying to live to please him? You know, in our relationships, uh, do we love and support and care for other Christians? Or are we gossips? Or are we backbiting? In fact, a lot of this passage is anchored in the disunity of the church. And that's kind of the unworthiness that he's really getting at. And so it's not meant to scare us off from taking communion. It's meant to say, when I come here, I want to come here authentically. And that's always the kind of worship that God wants is authentic worship.
0: And so then as a corollary to that is this fourth point, point, that is to only include Christians and that means for families who are going to do this, if your children haven't made a personal profession of faith, don't give communion to them. Now, Scott, you might have to help families with this one because this, this is I mean this isn't just about you know non Christians at church. I think that applies as well. But families who are taking communion, what instruction what instruction would you give moms and dads who maybe aren't sure if their nine year old or if their eight year old has really made a personal profession of faith?
1: Now, I have four kids, and so I really resonate with this point in this issue, and I think some people, depending on your faith background, your church background, you know, maybe you went to a church growing up where when you hit a certain age, you took communion. didn't matter what you believed. It just mattered what you were able to say or recite, or, you know, you went to church, you took communion, that's just what you did. You never really thought about it, but that's not the biblical model for communion. In fact, what the Bible says is that communion, you'd participate in communion after you've put your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. So once you trust in Christ, now you're ready to participate in communion. And so by by participating in communion, you're saying, I do trust in Christ. I do believe that his death save me from my sins. And so if you're not ready to make that commitment, if if that's not what you believe, if that's not the cry of your heart, then you shouldn't take communion. And so for parents, think about your kids. Don't put them in an awkward spot. Don't force them to take communion when they're not ready. I've got four kids. Two of my kids have put their faith in Jesus. They've been baptized. My other two, I would say we don't exactly know where they're at. Uh, Certainly if you were to ask them, they know a lot about the gospel. They know a lot about Jesus Christ because uh, they've grown up in our family and go to church and uh, but we don't